It's very good to be with you this morning. It's a great blessing that we have to come and worship our Heavenly Father. There truly is power in the blood of Christ today. Those last two songs we sang, In Christ Alone, There is Power in the Blood, those are just two of more than 200 songs in our songbook that are listed under the topics of blood, Calvary, the cross, Jesus' death, sacrifice, and the Lamb. We sing these songs because God has placed great importance on the blood of Christ and the power that is contained within. The King James Bible renders the words blood, sacrifice, atonement, and offering, or their variants, more than 1,470 times in the Old and New Testaments. Because blood is important to God, it should be equally important to us as His followers. This morning, I want to look at what God's Word says about the physical significance of the blood in the Bible, the spiritual power contained in blood, specifically the blood of Jesus Christ, and how to access the power in the blood of Christ. According to the American Red Cross, it wasn't until 1628 that the British physician William Harvey discovered the circulation of blood in the body. Even today, with modern medicine, we do not fully understand all the great complexities of the life-giving fluid that runs through our veins. Simply put, blood delivers nutrients to cells and removes waste that are produced through cellular processes. Blood is composed of red blood cells, white blood cells, platelets, and plasma. It is crucial that the organs and tissues of the body receive proper blood supply. Lack of oxygen means death. Therefore, having a healthy cardiovascular system is vital for life. Even though we don't fully understand blood and the cardiovascular system today and all its complexities, some 3,500 years ago, Moses was inspired by God to write, The life of the flesh is in the blood. And also in Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse 13, For the blood is the life. God is the creator and sustainer of this life. Psalm chapter 36 and verse 9 says, For with thee is the fountain of life. And also in, first, in John chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The life of mankind and all animals is in their blood. Consequently, God takes blood very seriously. In the Garden of Eden, God gave Adam and Eve the herbs of the field and the fruit of the tree to eat, but not the animals not those that had blood. Genesis chapter 1, verse 29, And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. More than 1,600 years later, when Noah left the ark in Genesis chapter 9, God added animals to the menu. Genesis chapter 9, verse 3 says, Every moving thing that liveth, shall be meat for you, even as the green herb have I given you all things. God now allowed man to eat the flesh of animals, but he said, I don't want you to eat the blood of the animals. The very next verse, but, fle but flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall ye not eat. Just over a thousand years later, when delivering the law of Moses, God gave very specific commands when it came to dealing with blood. 
In Leviticus chapter 17, verse 14, For it is the life of all flesh, the blood of it is for the life thereof. Therefore I stand, I said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall eat the blood of no manner of flesh, for the life of all flesh is the blood thereof. Whosoever eateth it shall be cut off. And again, about 1,800 years later, under the New Covenant, when some of the Christians that were formerly Pharisees were trying to advocate for circumcision to be brought over into the law of Christ, James, the brother of Jesus, wrote in Acts chapter 15 that circumcision was not required any longer, but, re but not eating blood was still part of God's law. Acts chapter 15 and verse 20. But that we write unto you that they abstain from pollutions of idols, from fornication, and from things strangled, and from blood. So God has been consistent throughout time. He does not want man to eat blood. I believe this shows divine inspiration of the Bible. Many diseases can be transferred from animals to man if you eat meat that still has the blood in it. I believe God is protecting man from sickness and disease. But I believe God is also showing that since He is the giver of life, He makes the rules. And He determines how man is to treat life and that life-giving fluid, the blood. Since the life is in the blood, man is to reverence or respect that blood, even the blood of animals, but especially the blood of mankind. When Cain killed Abel, Abel's blood cried out to God against Cain. Genesis chapter 4 and verse 10, And God said, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Abel's blood was a witness against Cain's wickedness. God punished Cain to the point that Cain said his punishment was more than he could bear in verse 13 of Genesis 4. When God spoke to Noah after the flood and allowed man to eat animals, God told Noah the physical consequences if something or someone was to shed man's blood. Genesis chapter 4 verse 6 says, Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall blood be shed, for in the image of God made he man. If an animal or a person killed a human being, the killer was to be put to death. We see the physical significance of God, that God places on blood throughout the Scripture. So to the next point, there is spiritual power contained in blood, specifically the blood of Christ. This is true physically, and it is true spiritually as well. We have looked at the first part of Le Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. Now let's look at the entire verse. Leviticus 17, verse 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. I believe this verse is very important. Because God said it is His physical blood that is sacrificed on the altar that atones for the spiritual soul. This word atonement in Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, is Strong's H3722. And it means to cover. The blood of the sacrifice covers the tab or pays the debt required for man's sin. So why is this important? It's because the debt is eternal death. Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 4 says, For the soul that sinneth, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. 
The payment for sin is not just physical, but it is spiritual as well. Death is a separation. The soul that has sinned on his or her account will be separated from God, punished eternally in the second death. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, puts it this way, puts it very plainly, for the wages of sin is death. The payment of animal sacrifices for sin was only temporary. These animal sacrifices could not fully remove sins from the sinner's account. God's holiness and justice demand that sin be punished fully, be completely wiped away. And the only payment in full mankind can make by himself is eternal death. The offering of an animal or even our own physical death are not sufficient sacrifices to pay for sin. Under the law of the patriarchs and the law of Moses, God allowed man's sins to be covered until a time when a better sacrifice could be made. Then and only then would they be paid for in full. That time was the death of Christ. Full atonement for sin requires a perfect, spotless sacrifice offered in just the right way. Jesus Christ, the one and only perfect man to walk on the earth, came to offer the pure, complete, and everlasting sacrifice to make payment for our sin. Unlike the animals, Jesus was able to choose between good and evil. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, it says, He was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. And He freely gave His life for our sins. I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. That is John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18. Hebrews chapters 8 through 10 beautifully explain how Christ became the eternal high priest, entering heaven and the holy of holies before God the Father, once and for all, not by the blood of sacrificial animals, but by His own precious blood on the cross. Christ poured out His life in the ultimate atoning sacrifice for our sin and the sins of the world. You know, the more I studied this topic, the more I wanted to stand before you today and read the entirety of the book of Hebrews and all the fullness of what God has explained to us and what Christ does for us on the cross. And more specifically, chapters 8 through 10. I'm not going to do that today, but I encourage you to do that when you have time. Look at those chapters. Have faith in what God has provided for us through Jesus Christ, that perfect sacrifice. But I am going to read Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually, make the comers thereunto perfect. For when they... For then they would not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshippers once purged should have no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. I apologize earlier, I had Genesis chapter 4, verse 6, and it was actually Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, if you're taking notes. Here the writer of Hebrews asks a rhetorical question in verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 10. 
He says, if the sacrifices under the law of Moses were perfect, wouldn't they have to be made only once? Couldn't God reference that sacrifice and overlook sin from then on? That is true. If they were perfect, He could do that. And His wrath would be appeased forever. But those animal sacrifices were not perfect. But God's Son, Jesus Christ, is perfect. And His sacrifice is able to do everything required for God to forgive sins completely. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for Him shall He appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Not only does His sacrifice completely forgive the Christian of their sins now under the New Testament, under the New Covenant, but it also completely forgives all the faithful followers of God throughout time of their sins that had been temporarily covered by those atoning animal sacrifices. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 15 says, For the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first covenant, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. The verse part of that verse is, And for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. This was for the redemption that were under the first testament. I skipped that verse in my slides. I apologize. So it's rightly been said often that the blood of Christ extends forward to the future, but it also extends backward to all those that have been faithful to God in the past. God can look forward at the cross just as we look backward at it today because God is not constrained by time and space. So He can look at things which do not exist as though they did exist. Romans chapter 4 and verse 17. Just a few of the many things the Bible tells us that Christ's blood has the power to do for us spiritually. It has the power to redeem us. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Also in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood, He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Also it is able to reconcile us to God. Romans chapter 3 and verse 25, Whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Again, this verse speaking to the fact that the blood of Christ is able to forgive sins past under the old covenants because of its power, its purity, and its perfect nature. It is also able to pay our ransom. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, for your vain conversation from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Revelation 5 and verse 9, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to, be, thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God 
by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Christ is able to pay that ransom in full. He didn't just do it partly. He did it all the way. And because He is able to do that, He is able to completely wash away our sins. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, But if we walk in the light, He is in the light. We have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses us of some of our sins. No, not some of our sins, all of our sins. Every single one He takes away. He gives us forgiveness. Hebrews 9.22, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood there is no remission. To remit sins is to be forgiven, to have them taken off your account. Also, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. He's able to justify us. Romans chapter 5 and verse 9. Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. He is also able to cleanse our guilty conscience. We can forget about those sins that are in our past, not worrying about them being brought up ever again. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 13 and 14. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? We can serve God wholeheartedly, without worrying about our past, with no reservations, because the blood of Christ allows our conscience to be clean. The blood of Christ sanctifies or sets us apart, different from the world. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 12 Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. You know, under that old law, only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest could approach God and offer the sacrifice. But because of Christ and his perfect sacrifice, we can boldly go to the throne room of God. We can bring our petitions to him. And we can come into the presence of Almighty. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 13. But now is Christ Jesus, who, Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Hebrews 10 and verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. We can enter right to God and make our petitions known through prayer because of Christ. Christ gives us peace. Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. For it pleased the Father that in Him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of the cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself. By Him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. We don't have to worry about anything. We have peace with our Creator because of the blood of Christ. And we have overcome Satan, the evil one, because of Christ. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Christ gives us boldness. He gives us the ability to stand before the devil and not waver. It is through Christ and his blood, and only through his blood, that we have these countless spiritual blessings today as we live in this life. 
Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. I hope you understand this morning, it's clear the power of Christ's blood is awesome. Throughout Scripture we see that. We see the prophecies of it in the Old Testament and we see the fulfillment of it in the New Testament. But unless we access that awesome power, it does us no good today. So how do we access the power contained in the blood of Christ? You know, under the law of the patriarchs, God required a person to offer an animal sacrifice for man's sins. We aren't told the, the specifics that God required of them, but we do know that there was a right way and there was a wrong way to offer that sacrifice. In Genesis chapter 4 and verse 4, it says, And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Hebrews chapter four and ver- 11 and verse 4 says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, that by it he being dead yet speaketh. Abel did it the right way. Cain did it the wrong way. Abel was blessed. Cain was cursed. Cain did not receive the blessings of obedience. On the first Passover in Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 through 13, the blood of the lamb was posted on the top and sides of each door frame as a sign that death had already taken place so God's wrath could be appeased. It could be atoned for for a time. Again, because he had... Christ's death waiting in the future. And so the death angel would pass over those that had the blood on their doorposts. Those that did not put the blood on their doorposts, they were not passed over. The firstborn was killed there. When God made a covenant with His people at Sinai, Moses took the blood of oxen and sprinkled half of it on the altar and half of it on the children of Israel. We see that in Exodus chapter 24, verses 6-8. through 8. Under the law of Moses... God was very specific, and He had specific procedures that a person had to follow to offer a sacrifice for their sins. There were certain types of animals and certain people that were allowed to offer the sacrifices at certain places and in certain times. And this had to be repeated continually. Every year, the high priest would have to go on the Day of Atonement, which is called Yom Kippur. The high priest would enter the holiest of holies in the temple, and he would offer the blood of the sacrifice for the people. And this would atone for their sins. It would roll them forward. It would cover them for a time till the next sacrifice had to be made. The blood of a bull and the blood of a goat was sprinkled on the altar. And the life of those animals was poured out. Their blood was poured out. And it was given on behalf of the life of the people in their place. But today, under the law of Christ, he no longer, we no longer require those annual sacrifices because He became the only perfect sacrifice for our sins. He also took the law of Moses out of the way when He went to the cross and He ushered in a new law, the law of Christ. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 14, blotting out, speaking of Christ, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which, is, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. The way we access the power in Christ's blood today is through obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 says, 
For I am not ashamed of the power, not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The terms of the gospel are simple, but very specific under the law of Christ. God requires one to believe that Jesus Christ is that atoning sacrifice, that Son of God. He requires that belief be proclaimed with their mouths. And He requires repentance or putting away of sin in a pursuit of righteousness. And finally, He desires that we submit to immersion in water, which we call baptism, which is a picture of the death of Christ. This is where we contact the blood of Christ because it was in His death that His blood was shed. John chapter 19 Verses 34, 33 and 34. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and forthwith came out blood and water. His blood was shed in his death. That's why we must enter into his death to receive that atoning sacrifice for our sins. Romans chapter 6 and verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into His death? If we're not baptized into Christ, we do not contact the blood of Christ. And that access, that power that we've talked about, we do not have access to it today. But if we have been washed in the blood of Christ, because of our faithful obedience to God and His plan we gain access to all the spiritual blessings that we, have been, that we have talked about today. You know, every one of these steps in the plan of salvation is important. Without any one of them, we are coming to God in a way other than He has determined for us to come to Him. Jesus says in John chapter 10 and verse 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Verse 1 of that same chapter, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up by some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. We cannot come to Jesus, we cannot come to God, the Father, except through Jesus Christ, His Son, and through the Gospel. The apostles said this very thing in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, Neither is there salvation in any other For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Because of the supreme power and perfect nature of Christ's sacrifice, once we become a child of God and we have access to the cleansing power of the blood of Christ through confession, we now have access through the cleansing power of the blood of Christ through confession, repentance, and prayer. We do not have to be baptized each and every time we sin as a Christian. But God can look at that blood because it has been laid on our account because we have contacted it when we obeyed the gospel speaking to christians in first john chapter 1 and verse 9 the apostle john said if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and in acts the eighth chapter the apostle peter told simon the sorcerer who had already obeyed the gospel Verse 22, Repent therefore of this thy wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiving thee. 
You know, even though these actions that are taken throughout these different dispensations of time were different, they all had a common theme. They all had something in common. That is faithful obedience to God's Word. Coming to God in His prescribed manner. Throughout the Bible, God has rewarded faithful adherence to His revealed will. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. And that chapter in Hebrews goes through a long list of those that were faithful unto God, that obeyed His Word throughout time. Because they submitted to God, they had the gift of Jesus Christ to wash away their sins. Verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. You know, those, those men and women in Hebrews chapter 11, they didn't fully understand the death of Christ or the sacrifice that He was going to make at some time in the future. But because of the power of His sacrifice, the purity of His life, they realized the goodness of God through His sacrifice. They received the blessing of that pure and powerful blood that cleanses us today in the New Covenant. It also went and covered their sins that had been rolled forward by the blood of animals. This morning I ask you, what is keeping you from accessing this pure and powerful, awesome power that's in the blood of Christ? While we have breath in our body is when we have opportunity to obey the gospel. We have opportunity to access that today. This morning, don't wait till it's too late. Don't wait for a more convenient season. Step out in faith and obey the gospel today. Finally, in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12, Buried with Him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with Him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised Him from the dead. Have faith in God's power to save this morning. If you desire to put on Christ in baptism or you desire the prayers of the church, please come forward as we stand and sing the song of invitation.